Hello and welcome to another episode of the Barbells and Burgers podcast. I am your host, Shane Hubbard. I'm really happy that you are here and listening. I think that you will absolutely love this podcast episode. I'm sure that you've enjoyed lots of other podcast episodes, but I think this one is going to make a huge difference in your mindset when it comes to weight loss, when it comes to your health, and when it comes to just the overall process of trying to become healthy. And as I've spent more and more years not only coaching people one-on-one, but talking to people on social media and just getting a ton of different uh, approaches to things and lots of different stories from people on how they either lost weight or they're struggling to lose weight, how they've been yo-yo dieting for a really long time. And all these different stories have really given me an awesome experience in the world of weight loss. In addition to that, reading lots of books that have lots of scientific research on things like weight loss, on the physiology of weight loss, on the psychology of weight loss, understanding what it truly means to be overweight and obese, and how uh, the medical system has been defining that over the years, and some of the misconceptions with being overweight or having a higher body fat percentage, and, and how some of that can get murky with how that directly affects our health and our quality of life. So I named the episode The Weight Loss Obsession curse because I believe that when you obsess about anything, but specifically for today's topic, when you obsess about weight loss, it actually makes the process harder and arguably even a greater feeling of of defeat. And, and I'll explain why. We're going to go in a lot of different directions with this episode. I have a couple of notes uh, so that I stay on topic with a couple of things because I really want to make sure that I talk about a few topics in relation to weight loss obsession and why it's a curse. But also I want to use this as an opportunity to help you feel a little bit more relaxed, to think a little bit less about weight loss and prioritize things differently when it comes to your weight loss goals, okay? I think that, and I'm guilty of this, I'm, I'm starting to learn how to come out of this, but I think a lot of us overthink all of the complexity of weight loss. I think a lot of us are so concerned, and I, I bet you're exactly the same way as I am, or I, I definitely was in the past. I obviously learned how to come out of this, but I think that we obsess about protein, we obsess about calories, we obsess about how often we work out as if if we miss one of those things for like one day or maybe even one week, that we're somehow going to erase all of our progress. And I do understand that having the momentum from one workout to another is really, really important. Like I totally understand that. But missing an entire week's worth of workouts or not sticking super diligently to your calorie deficit for an entire week does not mean you are doomed for the rest of your life. It does not mean you cannot come out of that time off stronger. I think a lot of us have a tendency to think that if we're not consistently being propelled by momentum, that we're never going to get to where we need to go. And like with anything, I think there's a fine line between not giving two shits and, and never exercising and exercising way too much to where you burn out and then you force yourself, essentially your body forces you to take a break. And I think that trying to find the balance, as one of my clients put it when she was talking to me about um, kind of her own personal journey, is really the most important thing. You're going to bounce off the walls of extreme, right? You're going to bounce from one side to the other. And every time you bounce, the idea is to try to 
stick to that middle ground is a little bit longer if you can and learn how to live there. Learn how to live in the balance between being consistent but not burning yourself out and, you know, taking time off and completely derailing, right? There's there's sort of lots of different spots amongst the spectrum that we have to find. And I want to shift gears from that sort of mindset and that philosophy to helping you understand when it comes to weight loss that obsessing about the number on the scale doesn't do anything for it to move. And I'll even go as far as to say that obsessing about your calorie deficit doesn't necessarily add any more benefit than being a little bit more casual with it. I think there's a fine line between staying to your calorie deficit and understanding there's a range and being so obsessed about a very specific number that you've been told that that might even prove as an effective calorie deficit for you. That if you go 50, 100, maybe even 200 calories above that number, that suddenly all of your momentum is is coming to a crashing halt and that you're doomed to suddenly weight loss just instantly stops and it's like you have to start this whole process over. That is not true, okay? Obsessing about the number on the scale when you weigh yourself or even obsessing about your calorie deficit is not an effective long-term plan. And you have to understand that Being in a calorie deficit and following the rules of weight loss has to be a very consistent process in order to work. And if you're a regular Joe or Jane, and this isn't your full-time job trying to be lean, then you have to understand that there's going to be a lot of variety. There's going to be a lot of things that happen. There's going to be a lot of variables that throw you out of whack. And you have to learn how to take that with grace, how to take that with a little bit of you know, empathy and consideration for yourself and understand that you're doing the best you freaking can, right? There are going to be days where, you know, you come home and maybe you forgot to buy something for dinner that week, right? Okay, so what? That's not a big deal. Like, you don't have to be perfect all the time, right? Or you eat 200 calories on, on a weekend over your deficit. Or hell, maybe it's the middle of the week, right? And you're just, you're so swamped. Maybe you've, you just work 12 hours and, you know, you're just... You're like, shit, I don't, uh, I don't want to eat the thing that I prepared. I want to have something else. Okay. Right? It's when you do that every single day and you have no sort of, you know, order and you're sort of just chaotically all over the place, that's when things need to be dialed down a little bit. You know, you need to just take a step back and go, wait, okay, what could I do here? What's the best, what's the best circumstance that I could put myself in right now? So obsession about anything in the weight loss process is going to become a long-term problem down the road. I do not believe that obsessing about your calories, about your workouts, about your macronutrients does any good for you long-term whatsoever. I think it's important to, to understand what your macros are going to be. I think it's important to understand what your calorie deficit is. I think it's important to understand what workouts you're going to do and have a plan for those workouts and stick to that plan as consistently as you can. But I also think it's really important to understand that the expectations that you set for yourself might not be accurate for where you are right now. You might think that you can do three strength training workouts a week, but your schedule and your energy and your time commitment says otherwise. And you have to be okay with adjusting that. So being obsessed about anything with weight loss is not going to produce a long-term result because the more obsessed you become, the more you're going to hate it, right? Some, there are, there's a small subset of the population that obsession actually really works for them, right? Like being obsessed is somehow okay for their longevity, 
But you have to understand that the small subset of people, right? Everything exists pretty much on a bell curve. And if you don't know what a bell curve is, it's essentially that, you know, with about 80% of people fall sort of in the same range. Like we're sort of all the same with certain things. And then you've got 10% on one side of the spectrum that's, you know, not, I don't know, I don't want to say special because I think that word's used too much, but they're, you're sort of uniquely set in this part of the bell curve. And then there's people on the other side of the extreme, right? But the majority of us live in this 80%, which means that obsession for that 10% of people might actually, you know, be the best thing for them. But it doesn't mean that it has to be the best strategy or it's the best strategy for you. So again, obsessing about how, you know, what the scale number says doesn't do jack shit for it moving down. Trust me, right? You can't wish yourself thinner. That doesn't work. What you have to do is you have to be uh, consistent with a calorie deficit and you have to be consistent with everything that influences that calorie deficit and not become so obsessive about anything that moves the, the calorie uh, you know, number, whether it's calories out through exercise or calories in through you know, nutrition, not become so obsessive to where you're like starving yourself. Listen, I've talked to people that have starved themselves thin who not only have a poor quality of life, but can't maintain that because starving yourself is not a, a long-term maintenance plan. It never will be. If you don't believe me, just look at your physiology. Physiology is, is will do anything to push you in the opposite direction of starvation, right? Your body will do things that you don't have control over so that you don't starve to death. Now, if you're stranded in this desert and there's no food around, you don't, I mean, you're kind of screwed, right? But in today's world where we have food 24 seven and there's really no food scarcity whatsoever, you're not going to survive trying to starve yourself, especially not long-term. You might lose 50 pounds starving yourself, but guess what? The likelihood that you are going to gain that 50 pounds back is about 100%. And I say about because hardly anything's ever 100%, but when you look at the studies done on people that have starved themselves thin or have gone on very strict diets to where maybe they're eating like 500, 600, 700 calories, which is far below anyone's BMR, which is basically the base amount of calories need just to freaking survive, you're going to realize that all those people gain the weight back. All of them. All right? There was, a, there was a, a, an article about all the biggest losers that had lost all of this weight during that competition. They gained it all back, and then some. Not all of them, but some of them gained more weight than they had initially lost. So if you started off weighing 350 pounds, you lose 100 pounds to be 250 pounds. Some of them gained 110% of the weight. So now they're 375 pounds. How does that sound like a recipe for long-term weight loss? It freaking doesn't. So if you still think that obsessing about your calorie deficit, becoming crazy about it, and slashing calories because the scale didn't go down one day, and then slashing them again because the scale didn't go down, you're making, the, you're making a disaster out of the process. And it's all in your brain, right? You're not, you think that you have sort of like the control switch to your physiology. You don't, right? You are a passenger in this experience. And you have to learn how to be an effective passenger, right? I don't know if this is a good analogy, but I'm going to use it anyway because it, it worked for me. So maybe it'll work for you too. I don't know if this would be, you know, think of it this way. On an airplane, you have a pilot and a co-pilot, right? Why do you think there's a co-pilot? There's got to be a reason. Why? There's, I mean, there's got to be a reason why. That, that did not sound, that didn't come out right. I paused too early in that sense. There has to be a reason why there's a co-pilot. The other example that I like to think of is on a pirate ship. You have the captain, but you also have the dude that's steering the boat, 
Right, you have the captain who makes decisions, but you have the guy that's actually, or the girl, who's steering the boat. Right? There's a reason why there's a co-op there. You have to understand that you are the passenger in the weight loss experience. You're making decisions on you know, what you eat, your calorie controlled environment, if you're tracking your calories or portions. You're in control of you doing the exercise. But if you push the pilot or you push the commander or captain too far in one way and too aggressively, that captain or that, that pilot is going to push back. So you're still a passenger in the experience of weight loss. And you have to learn how to work with your physiology. Your physiology is the pilot. You are the co-pilot, right? You as a conscious being. Your decision-making works in tandem with your physiology. So if you obsess about something and your body doesn't like it, you're not going to win that battle. You are going to be overruled in a certain way. So if you go on a 500-calorie uh, you know, diet, or let's say you were eating, you know, 1,700 calories before and suddenly start eating 500 calories because you heard that you need to have a calorie deficit and you made up in your mind that having a large calorie deficit means you're going to lose weight faster. That might be true in the beginning, but it's not going to be true a year from now because your physiology is eventually going to take over whether you like it or freaking not. And it's going to force you to gain weight back. Trust me, I've experienced this. I'm not just living in la-la land. This is exactly what happens. And you can talk to numerous people who have gone on severe calorie deficits only to gain all the weight back and then some in some cases. So obsession doesn't lead to greater weight loss results. It actually leads to poorer weight loss results, especially long term. And I don't care about any weight that you lose in the short term. Honestly, I don't. I mean, if I'm, if I'm your coach, I'm proud of you for losing or doing the things that helps you lose excess body fat. But, I, but it doesn't matter if you lose one pound in a day because the next day you're probably going to gain that pound back. And I'm not being an asshole. I'm just being a realist. Like that's, that's what happens. Your weight fluctuations from day to day don't mean jack shit. So don't get obsessed with what your scale says on Monday compared to Tuesday compared to Thursday. The way you measure progress in weight loss could really just be done twice a month. Weigh yourself at the beginning of the month, weigh yourself at the end of the month. And I've, in the past, and I still do this with some people because it just depends on your psychology, but some people, I, I don't have them weigh themselves more than twice a month, beginning and end. Some people like the accountability of weighing themselves and it doesn't get into their head. But like I would say 95% of my clients end up having a worse mental health as they obsess about their scale weight from a daily or a weekly perspective. And the reason why that sucks and that's not a good practice to have is because when you're psychologically or mentally stressed, how likely are you actually going to stick to your healthy habits? You're going to think that you're doing something wrong when the scale doesn't move. So I could tell you all, all day long that your weight fluctuations are water. It could be the food that you ate. It could be that you're, you haven't, you're off your normal pooping schedule. I could tell you all these things. But psychologically, you're still going to be hindered by the fact that weight didn't change because maybe for the majority of your life, your weight was how you were defining your worth in the world. Or maybe you had doctors telling you throughout most of your adolescence that you know, you're overweight for your height and all this stuff. I'm not going to be able to correct that as a coach. And well, first of all, I'm not even qualified to work on that from a psychological standpoint. So I'll, I'll refer out if that's a thing, but 
me coaching you on nutrition and fitness isn't going to completely change that thing. So obsessing about the scale, again, doesn't make it move. If you're someone who obsesses about the scale, this is what I recommend you do. At the very most, weigh yourself twice a month. Once at the beginning, once at the end. That's it. Between those two weigh-ins, all you're focusing on is your calories if you're counting them or your portions if you're paying attention to your portions because you have to do one of those two things. You can't sort of just, you know, wish your way or kind of be wishy-washy with how you approach your nutrition. It just, it won't work, right? You have to, you have to keep track of your nutrition through calories and macros, or you have to do it through portions, which is essentially the same thing with different levels of scrutiny, if you want to even put it that way. And you have to stay consistent with your workouts. And I don't mean consistent to some arbitrary cookie cutter standard. I mean, consistent for whatever works for you. If that's twice a week strength training and you know three times a week walking, do that. I don't, I don't really care what your starting standard is, meaning that I don't, I don't expect you to have a, a certain standard. It's whatever works for you. And if you don't know what that is, ask somebody. Ask me. Ask your coach. Ask somebody, what is a reasonable amount based on where I am right now? I work, a, you know, I work on average 10 to 12 hours a day. I don't have a lot of time. What can I manage? Let's do HIIT workouts. Let's do walks. Let's do you know, 15 minutes of strength training followed by 15 minutes of HIIT cardio. I mean, honestly, it doesn't matter. Just get in a routine. But stop obsessing about it. If you miss one workout, who the fuck cares? Right? If you're, if you're going to plan on doing a next workout, great, do that. It's not like all of your progress comes to a screeching halt because you missed one workout or you went over your calories for one, two days. But remember, there's a buffer between your maintenance calories and your calories deficit. If you're in a calorie deficit of 2,000, let's just say for the sake of a conversation that you're in a 2,000 calories a day and that's a deficit for you. You know you can lose weight doing that, right? And you eat 2,200 calories. You're not suddenly in like fat storing mode, right? That's more than likely your maintenance. So that just means for that day on, on, a, on a purely balanced scale, you didn't gain fat, you didn't lose fat. And guess what? That's where you're going to be most of your life when you're ma- maintaining. And you've heard me talk about diet breaks. Like when diets just become too strenuous, when it becomes just too fucking hard to do the diet, go on a maintenance break. You know, don't lose weight, don't gain weight, retain some of your quality of life right? Maybe the hormonal profile balances out a little bit better. And there you go. Go back onto your deficit after that. Is it going to be a slower process? More than likely, yeah. Is it going to be more effective? More effective than suffering through the entire process. There's only so much willpower that you can solicit to get through difficult times. I'm certainly not saying that willpower isn't important, but studies will actually show that from, from a food standpoint, willpower is pretty much useless. Self-control, not that great. The likelihood that you're going to be able to self-control willpower and grit your way through uh, you know, your nutrition, through you know, some sort of severe calorie deficit, not going to happen. All right? it might, it's going to work great when, you, when you're disciplined about doing a, a work task or something unrelated to food because food has a totally different influence on everything else in your life. Food is survival. And so your physiology is going to override any sort of willpower or self-control that you try to have. It's one of the reasons why I think it's so important to make sure that you're eating foods that you enjoy when you're in a calorie deficit. 
Because if you don't, you're going to obsess about those things. You're going to think you have to willpower your way out of that. And then it's just going to become a, a bigger problem. All right? It's sort of like anger. Or if something frustrates you and you sort of just let it slide. Right? Like if you're a kid, right? And you're getting bullied. And you're getting bullied. And you're getting bullied. Eventually, that's going to come out somehow. Whether it's harming yourself, which I hope never happens to anyone. Or if, it, it finally, if finally you explode and you beat the shit out of that bully. Right? Something builds up the more you try to solicit willpower when it comes to food. That's the reality of it. And if you don't believe me, please continue doing the unsuccessful approach that you're taking as many times as you want. Eventually, you're going to come to the crossroads and you're going to have to make a different decision. So you can either continue being insane trying the same thing or you can try something different. Something you haven't tried. Because the worst that's going to happen is it doesn't work for you. And I can tell you first and foremost that a calorie deficit will always work. And being patient and trusting the process will always work. And changing your mindset about what to expect during a weight loss uh, journey should always work or will always work. It's just the hardest stuff to do. And because you're consistently told so many different things in fitness and weight loss and all of this stuff... It's hard to know what to trust, right? It, it seems like you're being pulled in like 100,000 different directions. It reminds me, I don't, I think this was in Space Jam, when Michael Jordan's character gets pulled in like all these different directions. He has all these, he's going for a dunk, right? His famous one-handed elbow pump dunk. And all of the aliens are on his leg and he's stretching out because he's in Looney Tunes land. So he has elastic arms, right? You're being stretched out by all these different things. One person over here says fasting is the best fat loss tool. One person over here says keto is the best fat loss tool. A person over here says don't eat animals because, you know, you'll get cancer. You've got, you know, this thing over here. And honestly, it's not that complicated. It's really not that complicated. I want to sort of shift gears to something a little bit different now. Talking about that weight loss is not the most important thing for a good life. I'm reading a book right now called The Secrets from the Eating Lab, and it's a fascinating book. And it's by a woman named Tracy Mann, and she has a PhD in psychology. And she's fascinated by diet culture. She's fascinated by the weight loss um, you know, world and industry. And as a scientist with a PhD, she wanted to figure out, does dieting actually work? Right? We... we it's one of the most profitable businesses in the world. And she wanted to know, based on the science that's been done on weight loss, what actually works? And she spends, I'm at page 80 out of, I think, 150 or maybe even 200 pages. So almost halfway through the book, and all she's talked about so far is why dieting doesn't work, with tons of evidence to prove that it doesn't work because of so many different factors, which I can't cover just in this specific process or a podcast. But one of the things that she's talking about right now is that there's sort of a misconception that being overweight and even being the first tier of obesity, which there is several tiers. There's three tiers of obesity. There's, and it's based on the BMI uh, scale, which at the lower end of the BMI, there's a lot of murky area, right? If I was to put in my numbers right now into a BMI calculator, I would be technically overweight. My body fat percentage, I think right now, is probably like 16%, maybe 17%. And I am not overweight. 
Maybe for my height I am, you know, based on that scale, but I have a lot of muscle mass for my height. For someone my height, I have quite a bit of muscle mass. So I am technically overweight, which I think is fascinating. So that's probably one of the most confusing things too, before we go any further, is like this BMI scale, I've been told my whole life I'm overweight. Which is, you know, it depends a lot on and body composition, but we won't talk about that right away because I think you already understand that. And I think I've already talked about that. But in this book, she talks about the fact that when you look at all cause mortality, being overweight or even the first tier of obesity doesn't correlate with a shorter life. There's even research to show that if you have diseases like diabetes and diseases like cardiovascular disease and you're overweight, you actually have a little bit more likely chance of living longer than someone who's normal weight or non-obese or non-overweight. And this is called the obesity paradox, which I think is such a cool name because it's true. We don't really understand why that is. There's a couple of theories based on the, you know, the research we've been able to do so far. The first theory is, is that there's a good chance that when you get a certain disease and you lose weight, that being underweight, which has been shown, being underweight has been shown to affect mortality, meaning that you will live uh, a shorter life if you're too underweight, which I think is just fascinating because we all have an obsession about being thin and skinny and all this shit. So I think we have a mis misunderstood idea about being overweight, being a little extra fat, being a little, you know, I, I'm not necessarily saying that you should just go out and eat whatever you want and, and not care about yourself, but I'm trying to give you a little bit more of a relaxed attitude towards not having to be a very specific body fat percentage in order to live the longest life you can. I'll give you a, a quick little story about that. We'll put this into perspective. So there's a famous strength coach, or there was a famous strength coach, and he ended up, he, has a, he had a very low body fat percentage. He was very muscular, and when, I think he was 52, he died of a heart attack. And when they looked at his family history, they noticed that he, both his brother and I think his father or his uncle died of a heart attack. Now, I'm not trying to be morbid here, but there are certain genetic factors that you don't have any control over no matter how thin or lean or, you know, whatever you want to call it, healthy you are. And this guy was arguably very healthy. Like, his blood markers were good. I mean, he was a top-tier Olympic strength coach. And he died of a heart attack. There have been marathon runners that have died of heart attacks. There was a famous one when, I, when my dad was growing up or when I was a kid and my my dad told me about him is that you know, he had a very low body fat percentage. He was in very good shape physically, but he died of a heart attack. And the reason I tell you this story is because there are going to be some things, regardless of your body composition, regardless of other health markers, that could end your life early. So don't obsess so much about being super lean, about being super obsessively, uh, you know, in a weight loss phase. It's not going to do you any good. Obsession doesn't lead to a happier life, to a better life, to a healthier life. So the more you can prioritize, just try to do a little bit better. It sounds boring and it's not sexy and you're not going to brag about it on fucking Instagram. But it works. It really works. 
And the best part is, is it's not a ton of extra effort. And I think that as a culture, we tend to obsess and we tend to always think we have to be so much better than we are. But at some point, getting 1% better has nowhere else to go. There are certain things, and I, and I don't mean this to, to try to like shit on your dreams. I certainly don't mean that. If you want to be a certain thing and you're willing to accept the, the sacrifices that it takes to be that thing, more power to you. The person that I'm speaking to honestly is the person who just wants to have a better life that doesn't have dreams of doing like, you know, an ultra marathon where it's like four days of exercise, just nonstop. I'm not talking to that person. That person needs a different coach than me. I have no problem admitting that I am not the coach for that person. I am a coach who wants to make somebody feel better and have a higher quality of life. If that means that you're a higher body fat percentage, but you're happy, so be it. If that means you're a lower body fat percentage and you're happy, so be it. If that means that you just want to be happier and you want to feel better than you currently do and you don't necessarily have long-term aspirations, that's fine too. I think more than anything, 2020 has taught us that the quality of your life really fucking matters. You can make a ton of money. You can do all these different things. But if you're miserable, what does it even amount to? Right? I think we've all sort of turned a different, you know, in 2020, I think we all were forced to turn to understanding what really matters in our lives. And I'm certainly not saying that, that your job doesn't matter, but being excessively rich doesn't matter. If you have people around you that love you and you have people around you that you enjoy spending time around that give you, you know, pleasure to be socially uh, connected with. Um, if you, if as a result of, you know, being cooped up in your house, you realize that, wow, being outside really makes me happy in retrospect, you know, then, you know, explore that your quality of life really matters. And if the process that you're taking to lose weight completely puts uh, your quality of life in a huge category of, of what you're sacrificing, what's going to happen when you're done losing weight? Your life's not going to be any better. You might be a less body weight, but being, and I've talked to people about this, people that have lost tremendous amounts of weight, having less body fat didn't necessarily make them happy. It was an achievement they felt proud of, but on the daily, it did not make them happier. In fact, they were happier when they were a little bit more overweight. And I'm not saying that's true with everyone, but for some people, being really lean doesn't make them happy. Being very lean takes a lot of work. It's really a single person's, <laughs> in my opinion, it's kind of like a single person's, uh, I wouldn't say job because it sounds like a, a duty, but it's, it's sort of a single person's game, right? I just think there's better things in life that bring you more happiness that are going to add to your quality of life than obsessing about weight loss, obsessing about being thin, obsessing about being a certain body fat percentage. If you're a woman and your goal is to get to a really lean body fat percentage, the first question I'd ask you is, what is at the end of that tunnel? What does being that low body fat, fat percentage do for you? Right? What do you think is there that you're going to, that life is going to be better? Because physiologically, the lower your body fat percentage, and I'm not talking about a healthy range, I'm saying like, you know, for women, sometimes I think it's, I think it's like below 18% is very lean. And that's when you start to run into some of the hormonal things that are different that, you know, start to 
make things like your period go away, which I know someone would be like, that's fine with me. I don't want my period. This thing sucks. Um, but, you know, from a hormonal standpoint, being, you know, extra lean and not having enough body fat shuts women's reproductive organs down. It's like, oh, well, I guess we don't need this. We're certainly not bringing a baby into the world if you don't have any extra fat on you because this thing isn't going to survive. Your body's smart. It's been it's been around the block a couple of times, right? And by a couple of times, I mean for for freaking 2,000 plus years. So, you know, understand that your obsession with the scale, your obsession with weight loss doesn't make it happen any faster. Obsessing doesn't do anything. Being focused and being diligent and being consistent, that does really help. But obsession is when you are sacrificing your mental health for something that you want physically. And that doesn't do you any good. I can, I can guarantee that. I can put money on that. And I'd win every time. I've already sort of talked about this. But being overweight and being metabolically healthy is not a bad thing. Right? A, a, a large part of the reason why people are so obsessed, and I'm sure that you're obsessed with being lean, if you're listening to this, and you're still listening to this, is because being lean is equated with sexiness. And in our society, the less body fat you have as a woman or even a man, the more sexy and appealing you are going to be from a physical standpoint. And that very well, very well might be true, all right? Maybe some people are attracted to somebody who has six-pack abs or has huge biceps or broad shoulders or whatever. I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad thing, right? But not everyone cares about those things. And you certainly don't have to be that thing to be valuable to the opposite sex or whatever sex you're attracted to. I don't care. You don't have to be those things. Love comes in lots of different forms. And how physically attractive you are, well, I'm sure it's somewhat important. You don't have to be a six-pack lean to be attractive or to be valued. Because if you attract somebody purely on your physical looks, what makes you think the level of happiness in that relationship is going to be very long? I personally don't think it's going to be that long. I have gotten chubbier as I have, <laughs> I've been chubby, I've been lean, I've been chubby, I've been lean in my relationship. And my fiance doesn't love me any less. And if somebody loves you less because of your physical you know, appearance, like you're not like razor sharp lean, get out of that fucking relationship. That's toxicity for you. That's not going to be good for you. All right. Now, if you're like going off the deep end and you don't care at all about your health, that's different, right? Because th they want you to be healthy. They want you to be happy. They want you to have good quality lives with them. That's a totally different spectrum. That's the, the opposite end of the spectrum, right? But if like you're in a relationship and you feel the pressure to be like ultra lean all the time in that relationship, I'm sorry, but that shit's not going to make you happy. You're going to be so obsessed with trying to be perfect all the time. You're going to be like those, you know, trophy moms that, that are sort of just like, that feel all this extra pressure to be a certain way for their husbands. And men, if you're out there putting extra pressure on your women to be like, you know, a supermodel, go fuck yourself, right? Stop that shit. That's not going to do you any good. You're going to end up a miserable old fucking man, or you're just going to be some sort of playboy model. And I hope you're not listening to this because I don't want to talk to your ass. So you can be metabolically healthy and be overweight, 
and arguably live longer than someone who's a normal weight. So just because you're on the higher end of the healthy body fat spectrum does not mean that you are in danger of dying early. And there's even research to show that you actually have a greater chance of living longer than somebody who's leaner, who either has the same metabolic condition or, you know, just in general is, is, is quote unquote leaner, but not necessarily healthier. So while there is correlation between body fat percentage and weight and health, it's not as tightly wound and perfect as you think. It's not a one-to-one relationship. So that's an important thing to understand. And I think that when you start to understand that your health is probably the most important thing, even though you may not think about that, that health is your most important thing, I think that it'll be easier to over time lose weight. And when you set different expectations, instead of trying to lose weight in three months, why not just make it a goal for the rest of your life to be a healthy weight? That gives you so much fucking room for error. That means you can go out on the weekends every now and then and have some fun and go a little crazy with the alcohol, go a little crazy with the the food. But it also means that on Monday, you have to try a little bit harder to be healthier, right? To, To try to, on average, consume more healthy foods that are going to be lower in calories. They're going to help you manage your weight or even lose weight over time if that's your goal. So I'm certainly not saying there's there's anything wrong with wanting to lose weight. I just think that the approach that you are taking right now is not healthy and it's not going to work long term. Even if it is healthy, let's say that it is, because I know it isn't, but let's say that it is, it's not going to last very long. Right? Who cares if you get super lean in one year and the rest of your life, you gain all the weight back. Who cares about that one year you did some kind of obsessive, stupid diet? Nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to even remember that. One year in the span of your life being better, I'm, I'm sorry, but there's no better investment. There's no better investment than taking a year or even longer, even if you took two years to try to improve your health and your body composition and become healthier if you're someone who's very overweight. Listen, the vast majority of you listening are not in danger of dying early. Like this isn't a podcast just for the severely over, uh, overweight and obese. This isn't my 500 pound life audience. The vast majority of that are listening are perfectly healthy the way you are. And yes, you might want to lose some extra body fat, but you have to understand that it's, it's not just like, oh, I want to lose weight and then it happens. If that was the case, then I wouldn't be talking to you right now and there would be no weight loss industry. The reason why the weight loss industry makes so much money is because all they do is deceive people. They tell them what they want to hear without telling them what's true. It's one of the, the biggest motivators for me to continue to make content is that I don't really care if you don't like my message. It's the message that's best for you. So, if, you know, if you've listened to my podcast in the past, you're like, ah, that guy doesn't know anything. I don't give a fucking shit. I do not care. Go on, Go continue doing the thing that isn't working for you. Eventually you will come around to this way of thinking. I've spent 16 years of my life doing this. I've done all the shit that you've done already, or maybe that you're gonna do. And let me tell you, it doesn't work. You might think it works because for four months you're shredded, but after that, you're not. Just the reality of it. Not trying to be an asshole. It just sounds like I'm being an asshole because I'm being honest. And I'd rather be honest than be an asshole than be liked by everyone and just deceive people. That In my heart, I wouldn't be able to live with myself that way. One of the things I was telling my fiance the other day, because I forget what we were talking about, but I told her that when I lie, I turn red. 
I'm predisposed from a biological standpoint not to be dishonest. <laughs> I can't. It's too obvious to tell that I'm lying. So just sort of by nature, I've had to just be honest in order to have a happy life. Yeah. So if I'm ever lying to you, just look at my face. I'm going to turn beet red and I'm not going to get away with it. So might as well save the trouble and just be honest. All right. Um, the next topic that I want to talk about, we got about 20 minutes before the hour turns and I got to go do some other stuff. But rushing the process actually makes it slow down. So the more you try to rush weight loss, the slower it's going to happen. Not initially. Initially in the beginning, like if you set a very large calorie deficit, you might lose weight very quickly. But that's going to come to a grinding halt in about two to two to four weeks. Because your, your physiology is going to kick in and go, whoa, hold on, buddy. That's too fast. You're probably starving yourself. We have to override you. Sorry. All this effort you're going to put in now, not going to produce the same result. So you sort of have to coerce your physiology into believing that it's not starving in order to continually lose weight over time. And I would argue, like, I don't understand why people do starvation diets. I mean, I do understand. They want to lose weight quickly. But I don't understand why you would put yourself through that amount of suffering just to lose some weight. There's got to be a very deep sort of psychological and emotional reason. And I get it. Like, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I haven't had, you know, psychological and emotional reasons for wanting to lose weight. I'll just be completely honest with you. I used to only hold value in the way that I looked. I only thought that my value as a human being was that I was lean and, and healthy. And as a fitness coach, that actually got worse. I sort of became even more obsessed because I thought that I had to be Mr. Six-Pack in order for anyone to listen to me. And, you know, I'm a weight loss coach and I don't have a six-pack. Who, who the fuck is going to listen to me? And then I realized that it's like, even if that was true, what kind of quality of life would I have if, that, if I was doing that all the time? I wouldn't. And I started to realize that, I mean, yeah, I should probably somewhat <laughs> represent the sort of information stuff that I'm talking about. I should have been there. I should have made that journey. And I already have. So now I'm more focused on making sure that you do the best that you can within, you know, the confines of what you're able to do and have a happy life. So I've been to the six pack and back and I can tell you, it's not that great. A couple of people make comments about your six pack. You might turn a couple heads, but what you, you, you get a six pack for a moment in life. And then after that, you just, I mean, every other moment of your life is just thinking about food obsessively having to work out 24-7, having to follow a, a very specific amount of calories all the time. I know that you don't want to do that the rest of your life every single day. And you're living for what? A, a couple moments? There are figure competitors that enjoy the challenge. More power to you. But even they'll be realistic and say, yeah, I don't look like that all the time. That photo shoot that I took, I don't look like that all the time. That's not how I look 24-7. It's true. If, if you're an actual human being that, that doesn't just have the job of being somebody who is always lean, then you don't always look lean. And there's nothing wrong with that, both from a health standpoint and a, and a body fat and body composition standpoint. There's nothing wrong with that. You have to prioritize the quality of your life over how lean you are. 
because I can tell you what, the leaner you are and the more effort you have to put to being lean, the harder it's going to fucking be. And there's a very good chance that your quality of life is not going to go up the leaner you are. So remember that you can be healthy. You can have a little extra body fat on you and have a better life, or you can obsess about being lean, obsess, obsess about the scale going down, worry your entire life, and arguably die earlier because of how much stress you were under. <laughs> so, I mean, all I'm trying to give you is the facts. You can choose whatever the fuck you want to do. I don't care. But if you're someone who's obsessed and, and your quality of life is going down and you're tired of it, I hope this is helping you out. So rushing the process actually slows it down, makes it harder to do instead of going with the flow. You know, any sort of Buddhist teaching that I've ever learned has always prioritized going with the flow. They call it something else, and I'm sure there's other, you know, ways to say it, but essentially it's going with the flow. I'll give you a quick little example. In the mornings, I like to work on stuff. Having two dogs that have a lot of energy in the morning, that doesn't happen. And I've been fighting it for months. And all I do is get frustrated because I want to work in the morning and they won't stop bothering me. So I could either continue being frustrated about the fact that I can't work in the morning or I can play with them in the morning, get their energy out, and then like mid-morning, I can start working. Guess which one is, makes my life better? Going with the flow. So if you're expecting to lose a pound and you don't lose a pound, but you lose 0.5 pounds go with the flow. Don't obsess with the fact you didn't lose a pound. Expectations are just targets. They're going to move, right? Unless you're like this super dialed in bodybuilder, which you're not, because I don't, I'm not talking to any, nobody who's a bodybuilder is listening to this podcast. If you're a regular person and you know, your goal is to lose one pound a week, you've been told that anyway, and you lose 0.7 pounds, does that mean you're a failure? Fuck no. Just means that's how your body's working right now. Does it mean you need to lower calories more? Nope. I think it's better to exist on sort of the lower end of rate of weight loss spectrum and not focus on your weight so much. I think that has much better results. If you're obsessing about your weight every single day, I just don't see that being a long-term long-term goal. And I try to talk to my clients like, listen, you're weighing yourself every day. I try to do as much of a psychological screen as I can about their weight, but some people... Weighing themselves every single day, just it actually makes their weight loss process take longer. And it also ruins their consistency. Those are the two most important things for me. If your consistency is being ruined by something, I'm going to take it out or I'm going to reduce the intensity of it. Right? If you can't consistently do four workouts a week, why would I want to make you do that? It's, it's, there's no point to that. Consistency is the most important thing for long-term results. So if it gets in the way of being consistent, you should dial it back. I'm serious. If that means that you're, if you're setting out to do three workouts a week and you can't consistently do that, do two workouts a week. What can you consistently do? That will change over time. And maybe it doesn't train, change right away, but it will. It will change over time. You'll get better at it. All right. So I want to end this podcast by talking about what you should focus on. Okay, because I think that everyone's like, okay, I got my calories dialed in, I got my macros dialed in, I got my exercise dialed in, I'm doing all these things, and at the end of the week, they weigh themselves, and they're like, what the fuck? I hit all my workouts, I hit all my calories, I still didn't lose weight. 
that's not necessarily true, right? You could have lost inches. Your weight could have stayed the same as, as a result of water fluctuations, food volume, you know. If you eat more healthy foods that have lots of fiber in them, they're going to weigh more than something like, you know, cereal that gets uh, assimilated and digested so quickly that it probably doesn't exist in its the form you eat it very long. It's broken down very fast, so therefore it doesn't have a lot of weight in your digestive system. But like protein and, you know, fiber-rich vegetables, those are going to weigh more because they don't break down to the, as much as something that you used to eat that used to be like, you know, very highly processed. So my honest opinion is don't, don't obsess about what the scale number says because it's not the true, it's not the best form of measuring progress. It can be a part of the process, but it's certainly not, it's certainly not going to immediately tell you if what you are doing is, is helping. The vast majority of my clients, when they start their workout routine, when they start eating healthier foods, you know, for the majority of the, of their nutrition, um, their weight doesn't change very much in the first couple of weeks. In fact, some people's weight goes, goes up and some, some women, I mean, this is typically with women, but, uh, with some men too, it frustrates them. They're like, what the hell? How am I gaining weight doing healthier things? Body change, body composition change. You might be building muscle and you're probably still losing fat, it's just not at a one-to-one ratio. And they give up because they're like, oh, well, the scale's not going down, I must be doing something wrong. That's not true. But that's where most people stop because they let the scale determine what choices they should make. No, don't do that. You want to focus on your healthy habits. You want to focus on your calories, your macros, your workout routine. And the consistency of those things. I don't give a shit if you never weigh yourself. If you can focus on those things, you will have a healthier and a happier body. And your body composition will change. You will lose more fat and you will build more muscle. And it really is that simple. If you obsess about the scale, take it out of the equation. I'm serious. And you might hear other people saying, well, you got to learn how to, you know, learn how to read the scale. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. But at what point does learning how to read the scale and being conscious of that, if that doesn't, if that doesn't happen, if you're not consciously getting better at that, at least, you know, like maybe, maybe you've had an eating disorder in the past. Do you think using the scale with just understanding weight fluctuation is going to help? My guess is not. My guess is that your psychology has a lot of work to be had in that field. And I am not a psychologist. So for the scope of this, of this podcast and the scope of my practice and my business as a weight loss coach, I just take the scale out because I'm not going to be able to work on the psychology with you at the level that you need it. I'd rather refer you to someone who can and just help you with your nutrition and staying consistent, staying accountable and knowing and, you know, answering questions and knowing exactly what you need to do from a nutrition and a fitness standpoint. So what I do to just make things easier, if, if somebody isn't, you know, I have some, some of my clients are seeing, you know, a psychologist and they get help with that and some aren't. And for either person, taking the scale out could, could definitely be a lot help, uh, you know, a lot more helpful. I have a client, uh, who is obsessed with the scale and this happens, you know, typically more with women, but I just say, take it out. 
let's instead of weighing yourself every day, it doesn't, it's not helping. Like we've been doing this for two months and you just, you always get depressed when you weigh yourself. It's like, how is that benefiting you at all? It's not. So take it out. Maybe, and, and sometimes they'll suggest, well, what if I just weigh myself at the beginning of the month and at the end of the month? Great. I honestly, I, you know, to be completely honest, excuse me, I had a little bit of a, I had a burp there. I didn't want you to hear that. But if weighing yourself depresses you and it's consistently not getting better, take it out. Right? The same reason why if you're in a relationship some, with somebody and you're miserable all the time, get out of the relationship. There's nothing wrong with taking things that are ruining or, or, or causing you to suffer in life. There's no reason you can't take those things out. And everyone's a little bit different. For some people, the, the scale is a great accountability tool. For other people, it's the exact opposite. It's, it's the worst accountability tool and it ruins all of their consistency because they get so much in their head. And I'm, in a per, I'm the type of person that obsesses about a lot of different things. I'm the kind of person that overthinks pretty much everything. So I know firsthand that there are some things that do not help me whatsoever. And for the longest time, weighing myself on the scale didn't help me. So I'm telling you this because focusing on healthy habits will help you lose excess body fat over time. I've told the story a couple times of a woman I trained for a year, and she only had a two-pound difference between the weight she started at and the weight she finished at with our training. And she was very disappointed. She goes, why did I even do this? I go, okay, I understand that. But let's look at all the million other things that improved as a result that have nothing to do with your weight. Your body composition changed. You feel you don't have aches and pains when you pick up your grandkids, grandkids which are only getting heavier now. Right, they're growing up. They're going from age two to age five. Right, you have a, hell, a happier life. You're able to do more things around the house without aches and pains. You feel good. You have more of a euphoric feeling from your workouts. You're stronger. You feel more empowered. I'm sorry, but if that's not important to you, then that's fine. But let me just tell you something. Who the fuck cares what you weigh if those things have improved? Are you unhappy with the way your body looks? And she said, no. I said, why the fuck do you care what you weigh? Oh, well, I was just expecting to weigh less. That's the problem. The problem is, is that we oftentimes think that our body is going to look drastically different. Well, no, that's not the right way of putting it. We often think that our weight is going to be drastically different when we look different. That's not true. Your body composition could look very different and still be the same way to somebody else. So what I would say is if you're trying to improve your physical appearance, focus on how your body's changing. Don't focus on your weight, right? If you're starting to notice that your pants are fitting better, that is a bigger accomplishment and a more true and accurate accomplishment to losing body fat than the scale and what it says. You might as well have a PhD in weight fluctuations to use a scale these days because I think it's just so, it's such a mental mind fuck to try to figure out exactly what the scale is doing, right? It's like all the guys out there will understand this. It's like when you ask your girlfriend where you want to eat and so she says like, I don't know. And you're like, fuck, okay. Well, how about Taco Bell? Okay, let's go to Taco Bell. 
So you drive to Taco Bell. You know what? I don't really want Taco Bell. Okay, what do you want? Uh, I think I want a hamburger. So you drive to McDonald's or wherever. You get there. Ah, you know what? Tacos sound good. What the fuck do you want? Right? That's what it feels like when you're... Well, that's what it feels like when you're on standing on the scale. It's like, what what do you want? I've been eating calories, less calories. I've been exercising more. And you step on the scale, I'm two pounds heavier. What the fuck? How does that make any sense? Right? So it can be very frustrating to use the scale and go, oh my God, I'm doing everything right. You step on it. It tells you, wrong, you're heavier. And you take that as a, oh shit, I must be doing something wrong with my diet. And yet you've lost three pounds around your waist. But that doesn't matter, right? Because this number on the scale is way more important. No, it is fucking not. If anyone's counting my F-bombs today, I think I set a record. And that's because I'm full of energy this morning. All right. Let's end this this pasta. Let's end this pasta. Let's end this podcast by helping you understand that I'm sure that what if you're making any effort to improve your health, your body composition, any effort, you're exercising more diligently and more consistently, you're trying to watch your portions or your calories, you're doing it in a conservative manner, you're not going fucking crazy, and you're being as consistent with whatever approach you can manage, I want you to know you don't have to do anymore. There's nothing more for you to do. You've got there. You've made it. Now it's just about battling the boredom because you think that everything that you see on Instagram is what the journey entails. What you see on Instagram is one small moment of somebody's journey, but they didn't show you all the other shit they went through. All right? One of the things I try to do on Instagram is be as real as possible. When I'm depressed, I don't try to act like I'm not depressed. I'm not walking around like Eeyore, but I'm just like, I'm fucking depressed today. This is real life. Like today sucks. This week sucked. You know, whatever the reason is, it sucks. Be real. Let people know that not everything's fucking, you know, sunshine and rainbows. Life sucks sometimes. That's going to happen. But if you can weather the storm, it gets better. You got to ride the wave. And if you're currently depressed, trust me, this probably doesn't make you feel any better. And that's okay. Because you're just, you just have to ride the wave. You just have to get through it. I'm not going to pep talk you out of being depressed. Being depressed sucks. And a lot of times, at least for me, I don't want to hear anything that anyone has to say. I just want to get through it. I just want to, just want to plow through it. A lot of times I've already learned the lesson that I need to learn when I'm depressed. Like this shit sucks. There's no more thinking I need to do. It just has to it just has to go through its process. So understand that if you're making any effort, you're doing all you need to do. There's you don't have to keep piling it on. Right? Just stay consistent with what you can what you can manage. And I, and trust me, over time, if the more consistent you stay, the more results you're going to get. But it's not going to happen overnight, and you're going to have to take your time with it. And some days it's going to feel like you haven't made progress in months. And they are going to wake up one morning and you're going to see a bicep vein. And you're going to be like, holy fuck, where did that come from? And it's going to be the best day of your life because you were like, holy shit, those last four weeks, they really paid off. Those are the moments you have to identify. Right? You wake up and you don't feel like shit every single time you wake up. 
right? That's, that's a sign of progress. I've done plenty of episodes on how to recognize progress, but like, you just gotta, you just gotta do it. You just gotta be patient. It's not always going to be pretty. Sometimes you're just going to be swimming in shit. And sometimes you're going to feel great. That's just how it works. I'd rather be honest and be an asshole than be deceitful and you love me. So anyway, okay, so that is the end of the podcast for today. Thanks a ton for listening. If you don't mind leaving a review, uh, a star rating review, or even a comment, comments go a really long way. It helps people that are looking at podcasts and looking at my podcast specifically to know whether or not this is worth their time. And the more comments about how they how you enjoyed it and what you can get out of it and the sort of style that I bring, the more information you give on that, the more people are going to either like it or not like it. And that's fine. It's not a podcast for everyone, especially if you don't like profanity. If you don't like profanity, do not listen to this podcast. Or if you really don't like someone and they don't like profanity, you can share it with them and maybe you can get a good laugh out of it. One thing I want to introduce or I want to uh, make an announcement about is that I am launching a Keep the Fat Off holiday challenge. It's going to start October. Are we on October? Yeah, October 20th. And the idea is, is that we are going to challenge ourselves in this group environment to stay accountable to our healthy eating habits, to our calories and portions, and to our exercise routine through the holidays. This is not a super strict lose 30 pounds in 30 days diet program. If anything, it is an accountability program where you can talk to me directly and get advice on how to get through the holidays without gaining a ton of extra weight, but also enjoy it as much as you can, right? Finding that balance, finding, finding that middle ground. If you're interested in that, I will leave the link in the bio of this episode. You can also go to my website, shanehubbardfit.com, and you can click on the link that says uh, challenge, and that will uh, give you all that you need to know about the challenge. This one's a holiday challenge. I will also be running a New Year's uh, New Year's resolution challenge, uh, which would be sort of the same thing, just a different time of the year. And it, all that you need to know about the challenge is on that webpage. I think you'll really like it. I think it'll be really cool uh, if you're looking for some extra accountability at a discounted price to one-on-one training. I usually uh, ch- uh, charge about $200 per client per month. This is a challenge that's going to cost $200 for all three months. So you essentially get two months free um, if you're looking at it that way, which I think is a huge value, especially during a very difficult time where you know a lot of us had a very difficult 2020. And as a result, we don't have as much money as we possibly, you know, have had in the past because of unemployment or being laid off or just, you know, simply not working as much as we usually do. So this is a great way to benefit from not trying to gain excess body fat in, um, you know, during the holidays, but also not break the bank because uh, I certainly don't want you to be broke just because you joined my challenge. I certainly want you to have money for presents and and to pay your bills and all that good stuff. So anyway, um, that is that. I'll let you look into that if you want to. Uh, that being said, thanks for listening to this podcast episode. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your consideration and uh, for, for leaving a review. And have a great rest of your day and a great rest of your week.